This is Inside the Writer's Head with Kurt Dynan. He is the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2016-2017 Writer-in-Residence. The Library Foundation's Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity in our community, all while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Our podcast starts now. Hi, I'm Kirk Dynan, author of Don't Get Caught and the Cincinnati Public Library's 2016-2017 Writer-in-Residence. Today I'm talking with Jeffrey Gerard. Jeffrey lives in Cincinnati. He's the English Department Chair at Moeller High School and has a master's degree in creative writing from Miami University. He's the author of four short story collections, in, in, uh, including this year's First Communion, as well as the novels Cain's Blood, Project Cain, for which he was nominated for a Stoker Award, and the upcoming 9-11 conspiracy theory novel Truthers. So I recently did a blog here for the library giving people advice uh, who are looking to start writing right now. Uh, but I'm kind of curious to know, what would you tell people who are looking to write and, and, and don't know how to get started and don't know how to do that? Well, for me, the first thing I would maybe tell people is not that this was all that ancient, but that I didn't seriously uh, write until I was about 35, you know, mid-30s is when I got serious again. You know, I wrote a lot as a kid and got all those stories, the, the reading, writing stuff as a, as a little guy. And going into high school, but after high school, I there was another 10, 15, 20 years where I was busy, you know, working on career and family and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't, I didn't take make the time to to write. So maybe the first thing I'd say is that it's never too late. Not like I said, not the 35 is all that too late, but at the time it sure seemed like it that the whole world was going by and that you were gonna not gonna be a writer. So not too late there. Um, and you know, the, the first thing I did was I, I entered a contest. Uh, to get me into writing, there's a Writers of the Future. There's a science fiction uh, fantasy contest or an international contest, blah, blah, blah. And I bring that up because the thing about a contest was there are deadlines. You know, you had to turn in a story two times two times during a year. You, you had to turn in a story. Um, and by having that forced deadline, it, it made you, you know, write a story and mail it out, which is the thing that trips up about 90% of the people, as they make up numbers, English teacher, uh, who want to be writers, is they don't actually send it out. You know, it just sort of sits there, and it's like, eh, it's not good enough, and I don't finish it. And So by having this little c contest, um, it, it created this opportunity for, look, you must send something out. You're entering a contest. Send it in and see what happens. And, and then, you know, it, it did well, and, and off from there. And so then the last piece of advice, and then I'll stop talking, I promise, is... Um, at the, this little contest thing that I went to, I got great advice from a really successful author named Jay Lake, who was just starting out then. But his advice to me and to all of us who would listen, and it was great advice, was to never start a new project until you finish the one you're working on. And that was massively important at the start of my writing career because there's so many creative people. There's always another idea. There's always something else you want to work on. There's always, oh, I got a better idea or I got bored with this project, that kind of stuff. And that one piece of advice that you are not allowed to start a new project until you finish the thing you're working on and mail it out and do something with it, it changed everything. Within within a year, I had you know I'd sold half a dozen short stories and my first uh, novel deal, my first book deal, was put together within a year of getting that advice. And it was because for the first time in 35 years, I was actually finishing the creative projects that I'd started. 
So that'd be my, my big advice courtesy of Mr. Lake. Yeah, I think I said all of those, actually. <laughs> like, I did, because, I, one, I, like you, I didn't start writing until I was in my 30s, um, which I think helps, because I have a, I think the older you are, uh, the better your taste is, right? And you, you can actually be a little more objective about your own stuff. Um, but the whole finishing what you get started is, is so essential, right? I mean, you have to know you can do it. And how many projects are out there where it's like it's half of it or a quarter of it and it's a great idea but it gets a little difficult so you give up and then you move on to something else. I mean, you can go move on to things forever, right? Yes. And so you can prove you can actually do it um, and get it finished and get it and then start revising it and making it what it, what it should become um, until you know you can actually finish a project. Uh, you're, you're kind of stuck. Which is why those contests are so great. Contests are like uh, anthologies. You know, get online and find some anthology. They're looking for stories set around the holidays or stories set about horses or stories, whatever, some anthology. There is a set, again, that's that set deadline. you got to write your horse story. It's due in six months. Write the darn thing. Send it in. Um, and like you said, you've, you've learned I can finish a 10,000-word story. Right. And get it out there. Well, and there's validation there too, right? Even if you don't win, but you place, or you're no, you're an honorable mention. It's somebody you don't know saying, um, "This is pretty good." You know, this th- this works. Uh, one of the first big things I had was was a winning a short story contest, um, and I mean, it it made me go, maybe I'm better at this than I think I am. <laughs> right. right? Writers are full of self doubt, and but it was one of the few times where I was like, "Huh, I maybe this is the kick in the butt I need." Yeah. Um, you mentioned time, right? People talking about time. So uh, you're a full-time teacher. Right. Um, I know you said your kids are in college, but how and when do you find the time to write? And, and do you have advice out there for people who, who struggle with uh, finding writing time? Um, sure. You got to find, obviously, I mean, you got you to make the time. You got to make time. Well, that just so, sounds so stupid. Um, you got you to get, you know, let's go with the selfish thing. You got to get selfish, I think, is the advice that I give people where you get the most wide-eyed stares and sort of like, yeah, that's what I have to do. Um, I set aside time on the weekend. I sneak off for three, four hours. You know, I don't play golf. I don't care what my lawn looks like all that much, so sorry, neighbors. Um, so my night time is, you know, if I sneak off on the weekend, it's it's it's, it's not to play golf or, or worry about the trimmings. Um, around my sidewalk, I, I, I go right for three, four hours or a couple hours after school or whatever. You got to get selfish and, and, and make the time. A writer friend uh, was struggling for years to do something. When I told her to get selfish, uh, she snuck off. She started setting aside. It was just like Saturdays for a couple hours. And, she, you know, a, a year later, her novel's out there. It's being looked at by various agents kind of thing and collecting first rejections and first, like, send me what else you got kind of stuff. And um, now working on a young adult thing. But that, that all came from telling the people in your life or just carving out that time. Say, you know what? I, I'm worth two, three hours in a weekend or in a week. I can sneak off for two, three hours, and I'm going to focus on this thing that I've always wanted to do. And once you do the time, and I'm sure you've crunched these numbers too, maybe you talked about in your blog, two, three hours every weekend, you got a book in a year, right? You add the... Right. Do you do, do you do word count per day? I'm a word count guy. Yeah, I don't even know how people do page numbers. I'm I'm always focused on word count. Right. Are you a page guy? No, no. I'm wondering, like, when you sit down to write, do oh. you say I'm going to write for three hours, or do you go I'm going to write until I have this many words and then I'm free? <laughs> I'm going to write until I want to jump through the Starbucks window. This is more the thing. I mean, ideally, yes, you have a set amount of time, but my word count is is all over the darn place. I am envious of those authors that can sit down and and do the three four thousand words a day or whatever, but 
some days I'll I'll do 200 words and they'll be beautiful and lovely and I'll be very happy and um, you know some days it'll be 50 and some days it'll be 2,000. I'm all over the place. I think the people who can do three or four thousand words a day generally don't have busy lives, right? It's kind of like that's their life. It is. They also um, there's a lot of um, editing. You know, we we writers we talk about that all the time uh, as far as like you know when when are you doing the editing? You know, if I only write 40 words a day. You know, not penning my those forty words will show up in print. Like you know what I mean. Like those right. those are pretty good forty words. That's what you're going to see in print. Um, and a lot of the folks who can do that three thousand words a day, they'll go in and revise that just later. Uh, does that make does that make sense? So so it's like, are you editing that day? Or are you editing two months later? At the end of the day, it's probably going to take you the same amount of time to write a book. I think. Um, but yeah, I guess it's grass is always greener. I'm always envious of those that can do that, and sometimes. When they're being honest, they're envious of us who just sort of write it, quote unquote, right the first time. But I'll go over the same sentence 15 times before I move on, which is, I think, a horrible way to write. But it's, it's the way I write. No, right. And, and that's I think that's the number one piece of advice I have for people is once they start writing, you have to find what works for you yeah. And, yeah. and go with that. Because there is uh, I remember when I first started writing, I would I was sending out emails to writers asking them process questions. And uh, Doug Clegg, um, who's a horror writer, yeah, yeah, great yeah. writer, um, he sent me a great email back, and, and he said, "I'll answer your question, but what I think you're trying to do is you're you're looking for a magic pill that doesn't exist." And he said, "You have to find what works for you, and you'll you'll alter that as you go along." But process is different for every single person, and you have to find what works for you. So when you go to say Starbucks. Right. So cliche, but yes. Right. I mean, that's where you're. That's where it's you're a writing. Lot of times, yeah. Right. Um, like, what is your process? You sit down and do you read what you wrote the day before? Do you? <laughs> I should. Be, I should be real. Real honest. The, the, the one place I really like to write is Barnes and Noble. Um, that's just more honest because the real process is to walk past all these other people that have had all the success. <laughs> you sure. see all that's these great. new books out, and I'm like, you. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that gives me the fuel to get through the next few hours. So you don't get, necessarily get that at Starbucks. Uh, so Barnes and Noble or your local bookstore. There's many bookstores out there. Uh, other bookstores <laughs> you can go through and and get that. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll still have that. But um, do I? That's a. You know what? I do. I think I do go back uh, and look at previous days writing and maybe even a previous week writing i back up a little bit and, and noodle a little bit first edit previous stuff first to just sort of get in the feel of it and then then i tackle the new stuff i do like and i i think it's stephen king who taught me this or taught us this the the idea of maybe i don't know who knows somewhere along the way i thought it was a king thing where you you stop the scene where you know what's going to happen next and and that way the next day when you get up you know exactly what the heck's going on like you get up when the juices right. are going, kind of thing. I don't you write until you got nothing else to say. Like I'll I'll purposely write until, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen in this next paragraph, and very often that's a good time where I'll get up and right. walk away because I know the next day. Okay, yeah, 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 I remember this, and then off you go. I don't know where I learned that, but that's no, that's good. a momentum thing, yeah. right? You're not supposed to end with a chapter. You're not supposed to finish your writing for the day on at the end of a chapter because it's like, and now I have to start something brand new again. Yeah. Um, but you have a, like you have a, you have your kind of fingers in a bunch of different pies. I mean, you do short stories, um, you do novels, you do adult novels, you do young adult novels, yeah. um, which are all kind of different. Like, I, 
instead of just asking you why, which would be my question, like why in, why in the heck would you ever do that? What what do you get from each one of those? Um, hmm. How do I answer this so I don't sound selfish? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously the, the why right, the YA is going to be the easy one. I mean, I'm a high school teacher, and I I feel like there's there's certain books and there's certain ways to tell stories to young adult readers and the teenagers that are different than the stories that you would tell adults. So there are very specific things I'm trying to do with young adult novels. There are specific stories that I'm trying to tell. Um, and, you know, like, so Project Kane about, you know, this teenage clone of Jeffrey Dahmer, whatever. Uh, this teenage clone of Jeffrey Dahmer is he's wrestling with first understanding who Jeffrey Dahmer is and the fact that this is what his DNA is made of. Um, I don't know. That, that just, I thought it was interesting story for teenagers who are discovering like who they are i mean it's, it's just it, it fits it's too perfect and then it was also an introduction here's the teacher an introduction because every high schooler needs to know this an introduction to serial killers and to the science behind and to the history behind and you know these people a lot of a lot of high schoolers don't know who jeffrey dahmer or ted bundy or mm-hmm. john wayne gacy are and like just i don't know from a pop culture point you gotta when the goofy guy shows up in the clown outfit on Family Guy or something, I just feel like the average 15-year-old should know who that is. So I, I sort of did it as a, a uh, introduction to Serial Killers 101, which is a hard, no, maybe that's a horrible thing to, no, it's not. It was, it's, it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> I thought it would be an interesting thing for high school kids uh, to learn about. And the, so the 9-11 book, which is the one that's coming out in August, is the same kind of thing. Uh, you know, I, I had a, fight's a strong word, but for a long time it was hard for publishers to sort of get that idea and at first my agents were like eh, 9-11 I don't know it's you know like sort of like the too soon thing right and I'm I'm like my freshmen literally were not alive right. when 9-11 happened guys so I'm like you need to really start thinking about this so the 9-11 book quote-unquote you know I use the conspiracy hook to you know add the I don't know I guess the thriller aspect to it and and, and also explore the whole conspiracy culture that surrounds everything now i mean everything there's right. no there's there is not a piece of news that that people aren't saying well you know it's made up or it's false news or this or that or the other thing uh it was also an opportunity to introduce my freshmen who weren't alive when 9-11 happened to 9-11 because a lot of history classes don't get to it you know they sort of run out of time somewhere around korea and so we have this generation of teenagers that are like eh, all right yeah, i get it it happened 15 16 years ago right. they understand the reference yes but they don't you know, for people who are alive, right, for people our age, it was such a pivotal moment, something you'll never, ever forget, you know, to, to try to talk to somebody who has no concept of what, what that was like, right? right. They, don't, they don't have anything like that, thankfully. Um, same, same with serial killers. I mean, to tie it back to that. But that's, that's sort of the, that's the teacher in me, and that's why I write the YA stuff. Uh, the adult novels are, are more, a lot of it is, is just things that I'm interested in and exploring. Um, myself, whether it's different things in history or in science that catch my interest that I want to talk about. And then the short stories are more, uh, that's sort of me working on craft, and that's why I said it, it comes off as a little selfish to, to admit it out loud, but a lot of my short story stuff is just me, can I get away with a story in second person, or can I do something only in future tense? Can I tell a story completely from the point of view of a teenage girl? You know, that, 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 that kind of thing. Short stories allow me to, to do that. Did your approach between writing a short story and writing a novel when you sit down to write those, does your approach vary? Um, I, 
I'm harder on the reader, I think, with my short stories. I'm, I'm more demanding, which is both good and, and has its drawbacks, I, I suspect. But I, I, you know, if you're going to come along for a 5,000, 10,000 word ride, I, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit more, a little bit more work kind of thing, like a hard little workout as opposed to a novel. I might um, challenge the reader a little less. And that, I guess that sounds weird, but I'm just trying to think like the difference, I don't know, not, not in any way comparing myself, but like James Joyce, like Dubliners, like a Dubliner short story, freaking brilliant, and you can get into it and wrap your head, and you can really see what he's doing, and it's right there, and it's just this wonderful little nugget that you can read in, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or whatever. And then there's Ulysses, which is like a Dubliner story that goes, which there are about five people on earth that actually understand what's going on in that novel and you know maybe maybe that's i'm just selling myself short but that's ulysses is asking an awful lot of right. the of a reader and i don't even say the average i mean of a, an established reader of a, someone who loves to read man he is asking a lot and i think that's there therein lies there i think a short story i think you can get away with challenging the reader more so i'm, I'm more willing to do that and then obviously i mean obviously a short story you got to get to the you got to get to the nugget faster and like first sentence um first sentence this the stuff's going down like it's 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 going and that's yeah i wrote short stories for probably gosh five or six years before i started before i moved on to novels and and i liked the freedom that a short story gives you like you can be more experimental Mm -hmm. i think short story readers expect that in a lot of ways um you know a lot of times it's not chronological or the style is is a little wonky in a way um, that, that when you read a novel that way, you're almost asking the reader to commit to something. And the number of readers out there willing to commit that time uh, to reading like a Ulysses or like a John Barth novel, um, that number is pretty limited, mm-hmm. I, I think. Um, but you continue to write short stories. Yes. Right? I mean, you, not, not as many as I used to, but yeah, yeah, I still, if, if you know, I get an invite to an anthology or something like that, I'll, I'll still toy with it. Do you struggle with that? Like, because they're two different things, right? I, I at least I, I perceive novel writing, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot, it's a lot looser, right? I mean, like I can kind of slow, I, I can kind of slow the pace down a little bit. Um, my writing approach is different with a novel. Short story, uh, I feel like it's gotta be a little more um, stylized and, and whatnot. Uh, do you have problems shifting from one to the other or can you just kind of jump in and I guess I think I jump I jump in because I don't I don't I, I don't have ideas and then like I decide whether or not they're a short story or a novel. It's like it's yeah. always very like a mercenary. It's like uh, all right, I got to think of a novel idea and then I think of quote unquote novel ideas. And then if someone invites me to do an anthology connected to X or Y or anything I want, then I'm then I put on my short story hat. I'm like okay, I got to think of a short story. So I think the fact that the the idea itself has picked whether or not it's going to be a novel or a short story. I think that, that helps me go between the two. Um, dude, the, the, as you just said, they're both hard. They're both so hard to write. Um, novel is such a slugfest, man. It's such the, you know, Hemingway pulling the Marlin out of the sea. I mean, it is. It's A novel's not easy to do. Uh, yeah. But the short story, because those 4,000 words better be freaking perfect. Right. And and eventually, I think, as we go along, I, I bet as novelists, you, you you start thinking more and more that way too, right? The hundred thousand words better be friggin' perfect. Am I allowed to say friggin'? I just did. Yeah, I think you can. Pretty good for a Jersey guy. All right. <laughs> how do your uh, how do your students feel about your writing? 
Um, well, let's see. They read me my my Goodreads one reviews one day. That was 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 a heck of a day. I think that's that was that was good. It was like like an immersion. Yeah, for some reason they stumbled upon those one day and just were having. Of course, they're not reading any of the four or five, so they just had. What would I do if I were a fifteen-year-old boy? They were just reading the ones. Nice. Hey, Mr. Gerard. I'm like, oh, good. Right. Hearing that for for half an hour one day. Um, well, wait a minute. Let's take a pause of that. Yeah. How do you feel about those reviews? Um, you, I got over them quickly. I mean, it was yeah. th- it was it was three years ago. The Y YA specifically, man. That's that's a rough group, man. That's a it's a vocal group, which is good. I mean, just they're they're into it. They're impassioned, they're, absolutely. They're, which is that's good. So there are fours and fives, and there's ones and twos, and especially that right. one book. I wrote a weird book, a Project Kane book. Believe me, there are people that have it on their like. My favorite, but it's like Catcher in the Rye and Project and I'm like, right. wait, what? Right. Like my li- I'm like, but at the same time, if you're going to get that, if someone's putting your book next to uh, Catcher in the Rye as their favorite book, there's someone else who's hating it also. Right. So, um, I don't know. I think it, it was tough, I think, for the first couple months. I mean, that's the, you, that, uh, you're just famous enough that you're, you know, we're just, we're just high school teachers. Right. Yeah, you know, I made it through 40 some years or like no one's even <laughs> talking about me online. No one knows my name. No one cares. And all of a sudden, Jeffrey Gerard's a moron. Jeffrey right. Has, what was the one quote, which of course is still burning. So whoever who said, he is clearly someone who's written more books than he's read. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, you remember that. That's a good yeah, line. I, I mean, yeah, that's a good line. Like three degrees in English. I've been an avid reader my whole, but I'm like, okay, dude, I got you. I got you. No one got I really have gotten over it. You really have. You know what? I haven't read a review, seriously, in over two years. I don't Google search myself anymore. You learn not to do that. Most of it is probably good, but if you're, as you just said, you're like most writers, like most quote-unquote artistic people, you're filled with such self-doubt. Right. That the cliche 99 people could say this is awesome. And the one person, same with teaching, you know, 30 kids in class think you're great. And the one kid who's like, you know, staring at you in the corner and wants to flip you off. I'm like, how am I? How am I not reaching this one kid? Right. Like, what oh, can what I a do? Horrible day. What can I do? Why aren't I getting this one kid? So I think it's the same with with readers. Yeah, if 99 said they loved me, and the one who said I suck, that's the one I'd be thinking about for two weeks. So I so, don't. I don't go there, man. I, I don't even look at it. So your students clearly thinking you needed some sort of ego correction. <laughs> well, read those to you. That's daily. I don't know if that has anything to do with writing. I think you just found <laughs> an avenue to do it. What do they What do they think of your writing? I mean, do they read your stuff? Do Do you implement it in the classroom? I try, try not to do that. There's another class that teaches Project Kane uh, to the seniors they taught, it, and they come and say nice stuff. And, you know, what are they going to say? Uh, so there's that worried or self-doubt, you know. Right. And what else is the kid going to say? Uh, they, they seem to like I mean, every, people, you know, people, what are people going to say? Come up and say stuff stinks um, to your face. No, I mean, people say nice stuff, and they seem interested um, in, in what I do, and they ask about stuff. And let's face it, with extra credit, I can get 200 people to show up at an event, and that's always nice. Um but no, I mean they're cool with it, and they know what I'm up to, uh, so that that's kind of nice. And I think getting being able to like show your epigraph in in class and and talk about authors you've you've met and and you know just how normal people are, I think it's totally helpful to them. Yeah. You know, and and it even it, your your students probably understand too, because I'm sure there are days you go in and complain about writing or. You know, you go, look, this is what we're going to do, and this part really is terrible. Yeah, like, it's terrible. No, I tell them straight up. It's, I, 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 I'll admit I hate writing a lot. I mean, yeah. I'm not a big fan. Of, I, I, I'm an envious, again, envious of writers who you know, who say that they have to write every day, and they love it, and they, they I can't, I hate it. 
I should I should probably drink and I don't, but that's that that would that would go a long way I think to helping. But that's but that's that, that's because I care about the craft. I mean I I'm, right. I mean I editing is tough and writing is tough and and, and these things matter. Yeah, I have uh, my one wall in the classroom is completely filled with pictures of authors. And there's got to be 200 photos up on thing, and I'm constantly I'll turn around and point. I'll say these are human beings. Like, right. Like you said, demystify. These aren't these weird people who like created art in some vacuum. They're people with no. marriages and jobs and this problem and that problem and ups and downs in their lives. They're and, buying toilet paper yes, at Target. Yes, exactly. Weird little jobs that they had while they were writing these books that you guys all know. They're human beings, so you got to keep that in mind. So uh, we'll go with two more questions here. But you mentioned truthers um, yeah. and, and what you know, like kind of how that came about when is when is that to come out and and can you tell us more about it kind of like a more um centralized summary of what that what that plot's about elevator pitch sure Uh, it comes out in august it is about a 17 year old girl who is informed by her father that uh she is a survivor of the 9-11 conspiracy and that when you know bush and cheney and the gang were putting this together okay and americans were um making 9-11 happen, you know, trutherism 101, that she was sort of snuck off the plane that day, and while the other passengers um, were being made to vanish, she was sort of snuck off like Moses in the bulrushes, and here it is 16 years later, and I'm not your father, and I snuck you away, and this is the biggest conspiracy that's ever happened, and, you know, watch out, because here come the bad guys. And that's where it takes off. So she's got to find out his dad... Um, Nuts, or is there some truth to it? And the novel, I hope, I think, and so does the publisher, does a pretty good job of sort of walking that that to walk in that line. Yeah, there's a there is a thin line there, right? <laughs> wow, silence. You should have heard the plates drop. I pitched it in New. Uh, try pitching that in New York to your two New York agents in New York. I, I literally, you could hear plates dropping across the restaurant, and they're like, "Dude, are you?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, this is." But this is this is the high school teacher, and I know what my high school lads are interested in. They know all this conspiracy stuff, and and I could go. I'll run down the other uh, sort of historical conspiracy stuff that they're interested in. But that's that's their knowledge of 9/11. That's their interest in it right now. And if if like a teacher does, if I can use that as the bridge to actually teach them about Al Qaeda and went on that day and this and that and the other thing, then then so be it. That was that was the original goal. And that comes out in August. In August, yes, sir. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so my final uh, interview question is always the same. Uh, we're going to play dinner party, and you can have, uh, you can invite one writer, yeah, one rocker, okay. uh, one actor or actress, <laughs> and then one miscellaneous person who can be whoever you want there. Oh, cool. You don't need to worry about. Well, I want my wife there, like, because let's be real, like, no, you can pick. Th- those people will be there. That's beautiful. All right. right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they can be alive or dead, but I always think it gets really complicated when they're dead because. Oh. But if you want, if you want dead people, you you bring well, them in. Of course I do. Of course I do. Okay, you, go ahead. You know any of my um? I, I, oh, dude, this this is your question. This I is the sent one, you. This is what you're I going sent with? you this question yeah, in know, advance I so you'd be prepared. To, but, well, yeah, I have to pretend like uh, what is it? The actor's studio? Or it's yes. Like, I'm pretending like I'm just getting this question. My favorite word is. Um, oh God. Kiefer Sutherland, what stupid answer do you give? Um, never mind. Sorry, Kiefer. Uh, well, the, the, uh, Ernest Hemingway was okay. the author I we came up with, and that's uh, thanks, Dad, helped me uh, think of that one. Parents are visiting in town this weekend, and I thought, 
on a good day, Ernest Hemingway, I think, would be a good visit. You don't want an explanation. I he, no, no, you can have an explanation <laughs> because fine. I think he'd be a great dinner guest. I, that's what that's what I was thinking. Right. I was, we, we, it was the conversation at uh, dinner last night, actually. We were sitting around and trying to figure out, like, who would be. I think Hemingway would be a hell of a dinner guest. Uh, so there's Hemingway. I need a rocker. A lot of debate on this. Uh, my sons are pushing for Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> who would be like, right? He'd be a good dinner guest. That's another great di- di- I'm, because of my age, I'm, I am I was leaning more towards like Sammy Hager or Ted Nugent. Okay. I thought would be good for your rockers sitting there. So, um, yeah, I think either Sammy Hager or Ted Nugent would also be a fine addition. This would actually be a good dinner party now that you're, all right, so this is fun. And an actor, I I wanted an actress. I need, I need, I was either... Meryl Streep, that just seems like such a lame answer, but she just seems like a blast. That just seems like a really smart, cool person. So I'm thinking Meryl Streep okay. for my actress, or Jodie Foster, uh, one of the nice. other. Those, there's just I, both of those lasses are just awesome. So one of those two, I think, would be an awesome addition. That's my last awesome. And then what else? Oh, uh, random. Yeah, random Dude, person. I don't, that was I thought. Eight, who knows? Uh, uh, let's see. Um, Randy Marsh from South Park would be good. No, H and R Puff and stuff. I don't. I dude, H and R Puff and stuff. Fic, fictional characters. Yeah, All right. Fictional, <laughs> Gandalf. There you go. <laughs> Gandalf would be the the last person at the party. Very nice. So. Well, Jeffrey, thanks for coming in today. Uh, I, we will definitely remind people about Truthers coming out in August. But you also have out right now a Kane's Blood Project Kane, two totally different books. Um, that are out there that they can get and other books they can find you online where? JeffreyGerard.com Jeffrey with the G kind of Jeffrey yeah fantastic thanks Kurt Inside the Writer's Head podcast is produced by the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County it was recorded in the library's makerspace Use the Makerspace yourself at the main library or select branch locations. Special thanks to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer-in-Residence program. Learn more and read the Inside the Writer's Head blog on our website, cincinnatilibrary.org. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.